Hi, my name is Tatsu Ujeje and welcome to Bookworm by Sunshine, where I share books that make me feel bright inside. In this special Valentine's Day edition, I'm going to be talking about Red Hot and Holy, a heretic's love story by Zira Beek. So Zira Beek had a Catholic upbringing and... So although she had what she called a childhood crush on God, she could never become a priest. And this inspired her to become a religion scholar so she could study all the religions of the world and finally try to figure out where she fits in. This book isn't very long, it's 279 pages, but it is really loaded, which is one of the reasons why this book is broken up into two parts, before Marion and after Marion. The Marion she's referring to is Marion Woodman. She was a Jungian analyst, and Beek was able to interview her for a film she was working on at the time called Red Revolution. And so I'm going to be covering the first part, BM, before Marion. One of the themes I noticed of the book is Gnosis, um, getting to know God by deeply getting to know yourself. <clears throat> and so that theme is going to carry us through the five quotes I'm going to share with you, as well as that discussion. So here's the first quote. And there will be moments, like right now, where I, she, will reach toward you and press my, her, warm palm against your beautiful red heart. And together, we will remember what words can never communicate. So this quote comes at the end of the prelude. In the prelude, she paints a picture of telling you her love story at a plush wine bar over several glasses. I think this quote perfectly illustrates that oneness with God, um, or the goddess rather, in her case. And not only spiritually, but also physically allowing or intending for the divine, the universe, God or goddess, to move through you and to work through you on the physical plane. I'd also like to mention how spirituality is associated with the masculine, while physicality is associated with the feminine, which brings us to the message of the quote, where she talks about knowing that isn't thought-based, that isn't mind-based, that isn't masculine-based. But knowing that is feeling-based, bodily-based, feminine-based. On to quote two. Via rapturous prose that makes every angel want to become human, or at least want to whine and dine one. This is a really naughty quote. <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. So here she's describing Rumi's writing. Rumi was the first mystic she learned about when she was studying um, to be a religion scholar. And so she's just describing his writing um, about the pleasure of the physical experience, the sensual pleasure of being human. And in reference to the angels in the quote, uh, I'd like to quote Genesis 6 to the new international version. The sons of God saw the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. This is in relation to what was known as the corruption of earth before Noah's flood. So the angels that are whining and dining the humans in my understanding would be the fallen angels. And I think this part of the quote just reminds us how lucky we are, how fortunate we are to have a human experience to the extent that even 
divine beings, even spiritual beings, even beings supposedly higher than us, supposedly greater than us, would love to be able to come down to earth and experience this life and experience all the physical and sensual pleasures and joys that it has to offer. So it reminded me to appreciate my experience right now. Usually when we are spiritually inclined, while always looking to rise above the human, many human experiences, especially the unpleasant ones, unpleasant circumstances, situations, unpleasant emotions. I know I do that a lot. So this was a reminder what a gift and a blessing it is to have this experience. On to quote three. The goddess came to me in a dream as myself waking back up to her. He nodded, I nodded, she nodded. So when Beek was defending her college thesis, after including some of her own personal experiences in the final chapter, such as dreams she's had or revelations, her professor asked her a question on that about whether she thought she was dreaming of the goddess or it was the actual goddess coming to her in a dream. And that was her response, which I found extraordinarily beautiful and it really it sounded like enlightenment what people describe as enlightenment really um, seeing yourself and this divinity as as one so intertwined both the human looking up and the divine looking down and it's as if they're both waking up to each other I would say um, actually, after this quote, she goes on to say she had no idea what it meant, <laughs> even though her professor was really happy with it. She didn't know what it meant at the time. But I think it was I think it was quite profound. And as I was saying, you know, I saw it as both the divine element and human element of herself waking up to each other and beginning that journey of integration. Also in the quote, I think it's easy to understand the I nodded, which was Sira Beek herself. He nodded, which was the professor who was questioning her. But the she nodded, she nodded was the goddess that, whose presence she consistently felt within her, which is really beautiful. It's really beautiful to have that multidimensional um consensus. Also, it's worth mentioning that the professor who asked her this question was the professor who actually introduced her to the goddess. Uh, she thought she had found her place in Sufism, which is um, a mystical school of Islam. But like many other religions, even the mystical schools of those religions, they still either excluded or, for lack of a better phrase degraded or dismissed the feminine woman um, in general and so she never felt like she could fully relate to a school a uh, way of thinking that rejected her similarly to you know growing up catholic but never being able to be a priest and so he he first introduced her to the goddess um uh, course that he was teaching because she got very frustrated 
on really delving deep into Sufism and basically went crying to him. And it was the next lecture that he had. And that's where she met Kali. Kali is a actually a goddess that predates Hinduism, a goddess associated with mostly with destruction and death. But she is a lot more multifaceted than that. It's also worth noting that Zirabik is very aware of her positionality as a white woman, and she is very sensitive to trying not to come across like she's appropriating Kali, basically, which I find commendable personally. She's talking about personal experience, experiences that were undeniable to her, but she does try to have respect. And she is very introspective, I would even say self-critical, uh, but to a healthy extent. So I really appreciated that. So now on to quote four. Sirah making love to Sirah, loving to make Sirah love. Love the play on words. This was the first time that the goddess Kali, that the divine, had spoken or rather written through her. She was gifted a red journal by her older sister on her birthday, on this particular birthday. It also happened to be her grandfather's funeral who had recently passed. Both her and her sister were present for his passing and something happened in that moment, that liminal space between life and death, between the body and soul as she describes it. And there she felt that connection to the goddess, to the divine. And it forever changed her. And so this red journal was, is extremely significant to her. And so she found great significance in Kali speaking through her in this way. This quote also refers to erotic encounters that she's had with the divine. She shares one as a dream she had with the goddess Kali. Also at a later stage in the book, she talks about the sacred prostitute archetype that she was affected by. And in general, not just feeling, but embodying love itself. In terms of the sacred prostitute archetype, she discusses it extensively and she relates it to being an extension of the goddess. She relates it to the priestesses of the past who were sacred prostitutes in temples. And in a modern setting, what I understood from this idea of the sacred prostitute archetype was someone who connects with the divine feminine through sensual pleasure, through receiving it, through creating it, and through sharing it with others. She does warn extensively about the sacred prostitute archetype being conflated with harmful behaviors such as promiscuity, alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, etc. And finally, on to quote five. Our gutsy first lady who scared the rib out of Adam. 
This book is written so well. It's hilarious. You're going to get a good giggle out of it. She is totally unruly. <laughs> she does not. She is absolutely unfiltered. And personally, I love it. I'm going to be honest. She has made me raise an eyebrow or two, but I really like you will not get bored reading this book. So this first lady she's talking about is Lilith. Her first recount uh, was in the Hebrew text, the alphabet of Ben Syra. And so the story is that she was Adam's first wife and that they were created at the same time. So she isn't from his rib. In fact, in Kabbalistic texts, she was actually created first. So Adam found her there. It's a story about Lilith being Adam's first wife, but she didn't want to submit to him. Quite literally, the text says that she didn't want to be at the bottom during sex. <laughs> she wanted to be on top. Girl wanted to be on top. She wanted to be cowgirl. Anyway, and when they couldn't come to an agreement, she, she was out of there. She literally flew out of there, went to settle herself in the Red Sea. And there's other very um, exciting stories that happen at a later stage. But basically, when she left, Adam went to God and was like, Well, my wife left me. Can you please make me another one? And God decided to by taking out one of his ribs and creating Eve. And so I guess both God and Adam thought that Eve would make more of an agreeable, submissive wife. But we all know how that turned out. <laughs> I'd also like to point out that the way I talk about Lilith or the way Sarah Beek in the book talks about Lilith is very different from how she was depicted in the past. She was depicted as the villain. She was depicted as um, the mother of demons. Stories about her being barren and so stealing other women's children being blamed for stillbirth or infant mortality, basically. She was really just ripped apart and ripped to shreds. And one of the reasons this was done was to discourage women from identifying with her and goddesses like her, from finding themselves in her, from finding themselves in, in God or goddess or the divine in general. In many religions, God is seen as masculine. And so to see the image of your maker, of the divine, and not be able to see yourself in it, really limits your ability to create a relationship with your, your own spirit and with the divine resources you have as your support in this life. Basically discouraging Gnosis and women. This first part of the book highlights her spiritual journey. It's light, it's airy, it's high vibe. You know, like how a taught spiritual journey should be. <laughs> and uh, to me, it felt like, you know, a feel-good coming-of-age drama with Syrah Beek as the heroine, excuse the pun, because as she talks about in the book, we can get really addicted to this idea of high vibe. Well, high vibes, there's nothing wrong with high vibe spirituality, but this constant 
almost exhausting, depleting, <laughs> tiring, and unattainable maintenance of extremely high vibe spirituality, extremely good feelings all the time, even though we live in a world that has all expressions, that has good moments and bad moments, good feelings and not so good feeling feelings. And so she she describes and she explains how that can act as a drug, a drug that she actually got addicted to at some point. After Marion is going to take us into the muddy depths of the soul. And I'm excited to share that with you next week. Thank you for listening to Bookworm. I hope I've done more than make you feel bright inside. In fact, I hope I've lit a red hot flame inside of you. Have a happy Valentine's Day and bye for now.